0: He's the
1: coolest man in the world. One of them, Elon Musk. So cool, so rich. I think he's the richest guy in the world. And he's committed to free speech, which is so rare these days among the rich and the powerful. And he's shining a light on the unfair and probably illegal censorship of the Hunter Biden laptop story. Now, you're familiar with this story if you watch my show, especially if you're watching my show back in the, let's see, the fall of 2020. The New York Post, the most, I guess, prestigious, one of them and oldest newspapers in the entire country, had this explosive story that Hunter Biden abandoned his laptop at a small shop in Wilmington, Delaware, left it there. It became the property of the owner of the store. After a period of time, three months, he became the owner. His name is uh, Mac Isaac, I believe. And guess what he did? He turned it over to the FBI And when the FBI didn't do anything with it, he turned it over to Rudy Giuliani. He looked at the computer, as was his right. He knew that there was dynamite stuff in there. Ultimately, that laptop, the hard drive in it, made its way to the New York Post. Again, a dynamite explosive story on the eve of the election. But they were censored. They were kicked off of Twitter. Can you imagine that? The hottest, biggest story in the world and they could not promote it on one of the most important social media platforms in the world. The New York Post, they had their account locked. Twitter did that. Twitter did that. Now, why did they do that? They put out uh, reasons that, quite frankly, didn't make sense. But in the heat of a campaign, that's all the Biden campaign needed to suppress this story. The New York Post, well, they were kicked off of Twitter And that made a lot of other news organizations reluctant to cover the story. Well, something must be wrong here. This is probably Russia disinformation. And out came those swamp creatures. Remember those Intel execs, right? The former Intel officials. They came out and wrote a phony letter that gave Joe Biden cover. This is Russia disinformation. And boy, oh boy, he tried that at the debate and it worked. There are 50
2: former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant they have said that this is has all the care five former heads of the CIA both parties say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage nobody believes it except his and his good friend Rudy Gianni you mean the laptop is now yes, another Russia 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 hoax You've that's exactly, what, is this that's exactly what this is told. where he's going the laptop uh, right. is Russia, yeah. Russia I want to stay
3: on the issue of race.
1: Never forget, that's Joe Biden lying to all of us again, okay? Total liar. The laptop, legitimate. Everybody from CBS News to the New York Times has been forced to say that at this point. But what about the censorship, not only of the New York Post, but, you know, they can mess with their algorithms and make sure that you can't share that story with your friends. At least you couldn't back in the fall of 2020 in the run-up to the election. This is horrendous censorship. This is un-American. And thankfully, this is where Elon Musk comes in. Now he is in charge of Twitter. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So tonight, in an extraordinary, uh, I guess, uh, episode of transparency, they've been putting out internal documents from Twitter, emails between executives In October of 2020, what are we going to do about this laptop story? we got to help Joe Biden. It's incredible, and at times, it's just that. It's black and white. They are actively working to hurt Donald Trump and help Joe Biden by suppressing this amazing story. So... Elon Musk tonight set it all up for a guy named Matt Taibbi. He's an independent journalist, highly regarded, uh, very independent, by the way. Nobody owns this guy. And it looks like, however, he was commissioned by Elon Musk to do a deep dive into what Twitter, what prominent Democrats, what members of Congress were doing in the fall of 2020 to suppress this Hunter Biden story, which, again, was probably definitely unfair and probably illegal. You know, Kaylee McEnany, she was the great White House press secretary at the time. She tried to tweet this story. The White House press secretary could not do it on her social media platform of Twitter. This email, uncovered by Matt Taibbi, let's put it up on the screen. It is from uh, Mike Hahn, who is a staffer on the Trump campaign. Let's see here. Kaylee McEnany has been locked out from her account for simply talking about the New York Post story. All she did was cite the story and firsthand reporting that has been reported by other outlets and not disputed by the Biden campaign. I need an answer immediately on how, when she will be unblocked. I also don't appreciate how nobody on this team called me regarding the news that you'll be censoring news articles, like I said, at least pretend to care, for the next 20 days. Now, this is totally outrageous for a presidential press secretary to be censored like this when it was happening All over the place. Millions of Americans were kept in the dark about this very important story. And it would have kept a lot of people from voting for Joe Biden if they knew the whole story. Poll after poll indicates that. So what do we have here from Matt Taibbi and what he did tonight? Um, Basically, it establishes and we believe proves what we suspected. That Twitter was operating in collusion with uh, high-level Democrats. Executives knew that this was unfair, that they were violating their own policies. Now, what is their policy? They have a policy. You can't publish hacked material. I can live with that. Hacking is illegal. If you sneak your way over a phone line or steal somebody's password and start looking around, That's probably not a good thing, and that stuff should not be disseminated. Fine. But they knew that this was not hacked material. That laptop wasn't hacked into. Hunter Biden abandoned it. He left it at that store. That's a totally different story. And when you read these documents, it's quite clear that Twitter executives knew that, but they were awkwardly sticking, trying to with a straight face Allowing for the possibility that the computer was hacked and thereby justifying their censorship. This is not going to this is not going to wash. Now, Republicans are about to take over uh, in January. And yes, there will be hearings. But right now, the mainstream media, they are pretending that none of this is happening, just like they pretended in the fall of 2020 that the laptop did not exist. This is a big night it shows a couple of things. Big tech, Democrats, elites, they all colluded to do anything they could to stop Donald Trump. They were still reeling from what happened to Hillary Clinton in 2016. That's, I believe, where it all started. Hillary Clinton, her defeat totally shocked them, And they were never the same again. And they'll do anything, anything, break the rules, break the law to stop Donald Trump. Somebody deserves, actually a lot of people deserve recognition tonight, but uh, Rudy Giuliani is one of them. Rudy Giuliani was sent this laptop and he stepped forward and called attention to it at great personal risk and professional risk to himself. And he's still paying the price. That laptop was legitimate. He was in legal possession of it. It was legally published by the New York Post. And it was illegally censored and kept from the American people. Important information. I guess they colluded to impact or affect an election. Haven't we heard that kind of language before? Isn't that the worst thing in the world? It's frustrating. Big tech controls everything. But it looks like finally the tide is turning. They can't get away with this for much longer. Elon Musk, everybody, we owe him a debt of gratitude. We are grateful that he exists. But quite frankly, it shouldn't come down to just one guy who's rich and happens to have a big heart. That's a good heart. We need laws, we need protection. It's like Thomas Edison when he invented the light bulb. What if Thomas Edison was a jerk and a maniac and only wanted to give the light bulb to people he agreed with politically? We would have taken it from him, okay? Same goes for Alexander Graham Bell. You can't speak on my telephone unless I agree with your political position. No, we would have taken it from him. We would have found a way, the American government, they have antitrust laws, to take it from him. Big tech is too big for big tech. It's the people's. Ultimately, it's the people's. If everybody, you know, I know free speech. Oh, you still have free speech. You can go walk out on a sidewalk and say something. But if everybody is getting their word out via Twitter, and I know most people aren't on Twitter, actually, but news organizations, political figures, important industrialists, they're on it, and it shapes so much of our public life. It is too big and too important to be trusted to a bunch of... 20-something billionaires in Silicon Valley, and the Democrats seem all too likely to take advantage of them and uh, destroy America. We'll have more on this throughout the show, but tonight is a very good night for free speech. I'll be right back. Uh, take a look at this rampant stealing at an Apple store in California. Pump up the volume a little bit. Uh, you see, hear all the security guards say... You know, don't stop these guys. Just let them steal. Go ahead. It's got to be kind of scary for the people there, right? And as you can see, no one's stopping them. Taking as many phones as they can. There are about three or four of them, it looks like. Coordinated operation taking stuff, stealing stuff. All right, here's the thing. I don't know how much to blame these uh, these young men. I've studied the tape. They are young men of color. And they went into an Apple store and they took everything they could and nobody stopped them. Now, why do I say they don't deserve blame? I mean, of course, that's stealing and it's wrong and they should be caught and punished. But given our culture, how crazy it is lately... I can understand where they got the notion that they're entitled to take stuff because they hear it all the time. I mean, after all, the grievous original sin of slavery in this country must be atoned for. And the Democrat Party, I mean, mainstream Democrats have been saying for years now, not many years, but about three, it's time to repatriate, to make reparations for slavery. It's totally crazy. It's totally undoable, by the way, but it's totally mainstream.
2: I support H.R. 40, which is the bill that has been proposed in Congress to establish a commission to look at reparations. It's
0: five hundred billion dollars, two hundred to five hundred billion dollars payment of a debt that is owed. That is what reparations is. I believe it's time to start the national full-blown conversation about reparations in this country. Germany paid reparations, Mm -hmm. and they went through that process. Mm -hmm. Until
2: America tells the truth about Mm -hmm. itself, we are not going Mm to heal. He's supported a study of reparations, which I believe is what's being discussed.
1: It's out there all the time. America did something bad to people of color a long time ago, and people of color are entitled to something right now, right now. And major commissions have been formed and they're drawing up plans to start handing out massive checks. Now, it's crazy. It's not going to work. It's going to create all kinds of problems. We're already seeing it. I do believe the crime spike in part is happening because everything about America seems to have been delegitimized by the left. After all, We're a fundamentally racist country, right? Structurally racist. You know who Gavin Newsom is, the uh, slick governor of California, career politician, just blows with the wind, says whatever is currently fashionable, and he's totally down with reparations. He set up a big commission in California, and they're getting serious. They're on the verge of handing out a half billion dollars. Let's just jump right in. And I got A.B., 3121. Um, Dr. Weber, your bill, and we'll just start here
2: by signing this. Done deal. Done deal. spirit, Dr. Weber,
1: in the spirit of some of these bills and spirit of your comments and uh, some of the comments from men, I think it was Pericles who said, We do not imitate, for we are a model of the world. Now, that's a little braggadocious, but it's in the spirit of Governor Brown quoting the Greeks. All right, whatever. That set up the commission for reparations. So they've been studying it for two years and they're getting very close, very close to making the official recommendations. Uh, They estimate it will cost California $569 billion for black Californians whose ancestors were in the U.S. in the 19th century. And the plan is to give each $223,000 could be cash, could be land grants, could be, who knows? They're still working on it. Yeah, a house grant, tuition, or or cash. This is insane, and it's going to further divide the country. And when it doesn't work, I think you're going to see more scenes like the Apple store. You guys owe us, and if you don't pay us, we're going to take it. I feel for them. I really do. And I feel for everybody, actually. This society seems to be in big, big trouble and children, oh boy, they're going after our kids. Now, you know this, and we've all been chronicling it and documenting it. And, but from time to time, when these freaks show up to be with children, and by the way, they're not freaks as long as they're not with the kids. I mean, what cross-dressing maniac wants to hang around children during the day at school? They have no business being there. Uh, why are they going into classrooms? Why are they being encouraged to go to classrooms? Why is this being glorified around children? If you want to do that stuff, do it with other adults, not in the school. No problem, actually. Uh, they shouldn't be in the classroom. I shouldn't be in the classroom. I'm not a teacher. Don't you have to get certification for all that stuff? Does, does that individual have certification? I don't think so. I don't think so. But I am so heartened, so encouraged. Americans, amazing people just going to these uh, education meetings, the board of education, you know, and confronting them. They were doing this in New Jersey, a crazy drag show during school hours for the amusement potentially of the teachers. Totally insane. But these parents. Awesome.
3: So imagine our frustration when passes were given to selected students on October 27th to leave our class at 1.30 to participate in the school-sponsored drag show. Instead of our students being engaged in academic time, they were applying makeup and changing into their drag costumes. This was a loss of over 30 minutes of instructional time for these students. One of the invited spectators for the drag show was Phoebe Mantrap, a professional drag queen. From our perspective, it does not seem fair and equitable that Hunter and Central students were not able to celebrate with their peers, but a professional drag queen from outside the Hunter and Central community was allowed. Furthermore, based on the chatter that we have heard amongst the students in our classrooms, Dr. Moore's decision has created significant confusion, division, and resentment between students.
1: Well, it looks like we have put a whole new meaning to the word adult entertainment here, haven't we Board of Ed? Adult entertainment used to mean adults going to strip clubs watching other adults engage in sexual behavior. Well now, thanks to this board, we see adult entertainment as a bunch of high school staff watching young children for their entertainment. Oh and to those of you who still retain your seats, those days are numbered because we will continue to expose the evil that you're doing in secret and behind closed doors. Just the fact that you have to hide this garbage tells us how evil it is. In the meantime, while you guys still temporarily hold these seats, remember we are looking at all avenues of
0: holding you accountable for these actions. And I believe that the reason for the educational uh, deterioration in America is a preoccupation with ideology and sexuality at the expense of academia. Um, You take this drag queen performance as an example. Not only were students taken out of the class to prepare for the performance, but they would have been unable to focus on their studies in any class during the day while their minds were preoccupied imagining about this performance. The question is, is this an academic institution or is this an ideological institution? If I were to identify if I were to identify as an elephant or wanted to change into an elephant that would be okay if I was a toddler but as an adult a real academic institution would teach me that it was scientifically and biologically impossible it would in fact be a mental disorder and I should be referred to for psychiatric help because in reality a drag queen performance is sexually grooming children, and that's unacceptable in this community. As a school board, you should recognize... are of these people great? Some of you they're absolutely
1: can- fabulous. Now, our institutions are going crazy, but the people aren't, and they're getting better. They're more active, more alert, smarter, and, uh, I don't know, I'm proud to be an American sometimes. I really am. Uh... Of course, again, our authorities, our institutions, they're nuts. Hey, remember when they burned down the police station in, uh, in Minneapolis and that was a beautiful thing? Yeah, remember? They said it was a beautiful thing. Well, uh, they came out with some new guidelines for the police. I thought that perhaps they'd been enabled to uh, maybe use more force. No, the opposite. Minneapolis will also implement reforms in the way police officers handle demonstrations prohibiting them, prohibiting them from using physical force and from deploying chemical agents against peaceful protesters, peaceful protesters. But often who's characterized as peaceful or non peaceful. It depends on what you're protesting. Right. Uh, and this this, according to the left, is peaceful. Shutting down a bridge. Now, that's not peaceful. That's actually dangerous. What if you have to get somewhere and it's an emergency? We're shutting down a major uh, avenue. How about if you're in one of those vehicles and uh, a couple of thousand people walk by you? Oh, by the way, going against traffic. That's not peaceful. Uh, the police will not be able to confront this in any meaningful way. Sometimes the people, they still do. I saw recently some environmentalists decided to uh, prevent this guy from getting to work. He got out of his car and he moved them didn't hurt him. He was kind of uh, a little, little uh, abrupt, but uh, that's fine. They have no consideration for us. I think he's great. Hey, stay with us. They served lobster at the White House at that state dinner for the French president. Lobster. Ooh, that's lobster. Fancy lobster. They've got some nerve. The Biden administration, they've been hurting the lobstermen. We'll be right back. Well, a very fancy dinner at the White House uh, last night. Joe Biden entertaining the French president. And you know what was on the menu? Uh, Lobster. Lobster. Maine lobster. Uh, That's not how I have my lobster. Where's the shell? Where are the claws? Whatever. They did a gourmet version of it. Um, There are a lot of issues with this, actually, (laughs) Uh, the White House, the Biden White House serving lobster. Uh, We're joined now in a moment by Jason Joyce. Take a look at it here. He's been a lobsterman, his whole family for a long time. He's the guy uh, in the rear left, and he spoke at the Republican National Convention very beautifully, by the way, about this very issue. We'll show you that in a moment. But first, Jason Joyce, welcome back to uh, Newsmax, our favorite Maine lobster farmer. How are you, sir? Good. How are you, Mr. Kelly? All right, terrific. Hey, you spoke at the Republican National Convention. It was so awesome. Uh, Do people still talk to you about it? Do they mention it? Do you think about it very often?
3: Yeah, I mean, that was a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, I, I take people for tours on my boat, hauling traps and whatnot in the middle of the season, and they always, you know, if they've researched at all. They found out I was there and I get a lot of questions about it. But it was it was, an, it was a great experience and I'm glad I was able to do it.
1: Well, we're going to show everybody uh, that moment in a in a few moments. But uh, because you laid out there, there are some issues when it comes to the federal government and lobster farming or fishing or forgive me, whatever you guys call it. Uh, but first off, um, they served lobster. And given what you know about the Biden administration and how they've treated your industry, what are your thoughts on that?
3: well i mean it's it's hypocritical i applaud his choice in food um obviously he wanted to impress the french president and if you're gonna have a fancy meal what better meal to have than the most sustainably caught fish uh fishery in the united states and the world actually we're very successful and uh i so i i agree with his meal choice but i'll tell you what unless he gets involved and, and tones down the rhetoric there of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, which is is going to regulate us by 90 percent. They want to reduce our impact or our efforts by the fall of 2024. And, uh, you know, unless he wants to buy Canadian lobster in two years, he should get involved and listen to us. We've been trying to reach out to him. Our congressional delegation has been trying to reach out to him. Our governor has been trying to reach out to him. doesn't matter what party it is, but we're not... We're being targeted by the woke media and it's uh, he's paying attention to them and not us. What do you need? What do you want done? If you were
1: with Joe Biden and uh, let's forget about forget about who he is as a person, if you could really talk to him and you said you got to pick up the phone and do what? What do you want him to do?
3: Look at the data. Look at the uh, we've been 18 years with no entanglements of right whales, only two known entanglements and no right whale deaths. And yet we're going to be reducing our fishery by 90%. Give me a break. Look at the data. There were 17 whale deaths that happened originating from Canadian waters as well as uh, ship strikes back in 2017. And thanks to the National Marine Fisheries Service, which is a federal agency that regulates us, they basically say that we're responsible for half of those deaths. They put that within the biological opinion, which regulates us. And we're only permitted to take 0.7 whales per year. So we exceeded that by eight and a half deaths because of what happened in Canada. So that's why we lost our MSC certification. That's why Seafood Watch put out their delisting of us. And yet Canada, they're able to still be certified. They're... (laughs) considered to be whale friendly we've had whale safe gear for 18 years with no incident and he stands by and watches this happen and Mm. and his agency is the one that is going to reduce us by 90 percent in the fall of 2024 and then by an additional well a total of 98 percent by 2030 hey and we we have no we have no uh we're reaching out to him as much as we can the previous president listened and he responded this president is not
1: uh, we'll talk about him in a moment. Hey, can I ask you this as a lobster man, as a professional? Look at that dish they had at the White House. I don't eat my lobster like this. I like a, the shell and the claws and the where, where's the butter? I know they can prevent it and they can prepare it any way they want. But uh, how do you like your
3: lobster? Lots of butter. Okay. Lots of butter. <laughs> I mean that right there. Good grief! You could inhale this through your nose. That doesn't look like much of a serving. No,
1: I know. Well, they had, I guess, other uh, courses or whatever. But uh, anyway, I would have left hungry. So Jason Joyce, uh, you made the case about your industry uh, on a national stage. And I thought it was one of the most beautiful moments of the convention, quite frankly. You're an expert. You know exactly what you're doing and what the issue is, uh, more so than any congressman or lobbyist. And uh, let's take a look at you talking about your journey, your thoughts on President Trump and uh, your industry. This is from the Republican National Convention in
3: 2020. Good evening, my name is Jason Joyce and I'm an eighth generation lobster fisherman from Swan's Island, Maine. I make my living from lobster fishing, oyster farming and providing eco tours in the beautiful waters near Acadia National Park where I have over 200 years of family history. I have to confess, I didn't support Trump in 2016. Skeptical that he shared my conservative views I expected him to flip-flop on his campaign promises. But he has followed through on his promises, including last week when he brokered a deal to end European Union tariffs of 8% on Maine live lobsters and up to 20% on Maine lobster products, which is great news for Maine's lobstermen and women. I live on an island with 370 residents, and lobstering is how we provide for our families. Maine's lobstermen are true environmentalists. We practice conservation every day. If we didn't, we'd be putting ourselves out of business. Four years ago, the Obama-Biden administration used the Antiquities Act to order thousands of square miles of ocean off limits to commercial fishermen. They did it to cater to environmental activists. Although Maine's lobstermen don't fish there, Obama's executive order offended us greatly. It circumvented the Fisheries Council's input. President Trump reversed that decision, reinstating the rules that allow stakeholder input And he supports a process that seeks and respects fishermen's views. As long as Trump is president, fishing families like mine will have a voice.
1: Just awesome. Just awesome. And uh, I appreciate uh, what you did. And I also just love that they asked you to do it. Who asked you to do it, by the way? How did that happen?
3: Um, So I was on a list of people that they had, and I think they went through the list. And a lot of people were asked to originally do a 30-second cell phone um, video endorsement, and nobody wanted to do it because they didn't want people on Facebook ripping them a new one. And I, I don't really care. He he was good by us. I don't care what party it would be. If you if you're doing what I think is a good job, then I'll give you credit for it. So I they asked if I would do it, and uh, so I said I'd do the endorsement. And then next thing you know, it turned into a trip to D.C. and. It became much more involved, but I'm glad I was able to do it. Great stuff.
1: Part of history, Uh, Jason Joyce. Last thing, you ever see that uh, Deadliest Catch show? Is that any good? Is that realistic?
3: Oh, my word. My grandson's over here tonight. He came over. uh, He's four years old, and he likes to come nana and pops once in a while, and he wanted to watch Deadliest Catch because he watches it with his father, and it was like watching a soap opera. I mean, there was, oh, they're on their cell phones and whining and crying about this and that, And, and I guess a lot of fishermen will do that anyways, but still, it was, it was a lot. of. It's just like um, uh, that, tuna, uh, that tuna fish show that they've got there. A lot of drama. Just get to work. Catch yeah, the
1: fish. I know, right? Reality TV, I mean, it's, uh, it's all the same, I guess. Even if it's on a boat or if it's in a mall or if it's in Atlanta, it's, uh, they got to have that same kind of drama. You're the best. Jason Joyce to be continued. Thank you, sir, and we'll be right back. So there is Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader in the House, wants to be speaker at the White House last night in his tuxedo, going to a state dinner. You know who was at that state dinner as well? Uh, Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden. I don't think he should be there. That's me. You know, uh, when Pelosi—Democrats wouldn't go to state dinners. They wouldn't. When Pelosi showed up at the uh, White House, what did she do? She told off Trump and then left— Uh, they behaved miserably. Uh, I don't think Kevin McCarthy should be there. And uh, maybe he shouldn't even be the next speaker. That's how our next guest feels. Congressman Bob Good, a Republican from Virginia, member of the House Freedom Caucus. And I believe, sir, you are officially opposed to uh, uh, Mr. McCarthy becoming Speaker of the House. First of all, welcome and nice to see you. Thank you.
2: Great to be with you, Greg. Thanks for having me tonight.
1: You bet. So, uh, Make the case. Why not? Uh, why not McCarthy for speaker?
2: Well, tell me what he's done as minority leader the last two years since I've been in my first term or the whole four years that he's been minority leader that would would indicate that he's going to be the fighter that we need to block the Biden-Schumer agenda in the, in the, when we have the majority in the House. you know, We got rolled in the minority party. He did not do anything to put pressure on the Senate during these last two years where we could have withheld all Republican votes for any of the bad bills the Democrats were pushing. He didn't fight with us. He didn't show leadership. He's not a strong leader. He's not trusted by many in the conference because he has a credibility problem. And if we do what we've always done, Greg, we'll get what we've always got. And the country's at a crisis point. We've got to have tough, strong, conservative leadership, and we don't have that with Kevin McCarthy. So he's
1: a career politician. He's been uh, in politics since the age of 20. And uh, you have a 20-year career in finance, which I like. Yeah, we have his resume here. Uh, you're joined by let's put up the list of those from the Freedom Caucus who have, I guess, formally said they're not going to vote for him for speaker. Uh, let's see you, Ralph Norman, Andy Biggs, Matt Gates, Matt Rosendale, uh, Dan Bishop, uh, Chip Roy and you, Bob Good. So how is this going to play out? I mean, I heard Mark Levin, by the way, who's a uh, you know, very strong conservative. We like Mark Levin a lot. He kind of yelled at you guys for entertaining anybody other than McCarthy.
2: Um do you think
1: this is going to work out? Yeah,
2: absolutely. We're going to block him. There's a the number of members who become public, as you know. I have to know more members told him today in personal meetings they weren't going to vote for him. They told him to his face they're not going to. You're going to see the the public numbers grow in the coming days. Uh, our numbers are increasing. Uh, I will point out, Greg, that there were 36 who voted against him on November 15th. None of them have come forward and say they're going to vote for him on January 3rd. Uh, We're having quiet conversations with candidates that we know represent the conservative center of the conference who can get to 218 and fight and lead us in the new Congress in the majority position. And what Kevin McCarthy needs to do is face reality, recognize he's not going to get to 218. He's not going to move us to vote for him. And he needs to withdraw so we can publicly consider candidates uh, who have, you know, they pledged their support to him publicly because they uh, presumed he was going to be Speaker and they, they fear retaliation as long as he might have the possibility of doing so. So for the good of the country, for the good of the Congress, and for the good of the Republican Party, Kevin McCarthy needs to withdraw so we can publicly consider other quality candidates.
1: Uh, Would you consider somebody outside the House of Representatives? My understanding is the rules are such that you could pick somebody who's not a member of Congress as the House Speaker. First of all, check me on that. Is that true?
2: And if so, is it it under consideration? That's correct. The Constitution doesn't require that the Speaker is an actual member of Congress. It's never happened before that they weren't. And I think that's kind of a long shot situation. I, I think there's quality candidates within the body who can lead us, who would be popular with the base, who represent the conservative center of the Republican Congress and those who elected us to make the real change that's needed. You know, Greg, Congress has a 20% approval rating. 80% Uh, 80% of Americans think we're on the wrong track as a country. We can't do what we've always done. That's what we would get under Kevin McCarthy. I've had hundreds, hundreds of my constituents tell me over the last two years not to support Kevin McCarthy. Mm-hmm. So really, that's what all Republicans are hearing. And so we're really doing the will of our constituents, those who sent us to office. When we bring new, fresh leadership that will bring the true fight that's needed to stop the Biden-Schumer agenda in the new Congress.
1: Matt Gates is uh, on your side. I want to hear from him if you don't mind.
3: This is Congressman Matt Gates. I think we can do better. You know, right now, we need new leadership. We need to turn the page. I think that we need someone who has broad credibility with conservatives and centrists and moderates throughout the conference. And I think what you just saw is that Kevin doesn't have that.
1: Ooh, Kevin doesn't have that. And by the way, can I get your thoughts on Kevin McCarthy at the White House last night? Now, I can understand you're supposed to break bread with those you're opposed to, socialize with. I think we have a picture of him at the White House and some video as well. He went to a state dinner for Emmanuel Macron. I think he's really eager to take advantage of the perks that come with being speaker. Uh, And this is one of them. But what do you make of his attendance at that thing? And is it unfair of us for us to give him a hard time about it? I personally don't think he should have been there.
2: Well, I can just tell you I've been invited to to the White House a number of times as a member of Congress. I have no interest going under in this administration. This is an administration that could not do more to ruin the country if they were trying to do it on purpose. And they've spent a record $10 trillion in new spending never happened before in the first two years of administration. They've facilitated, facilitated, helped purposely a 5 million abort, uh, illegal aliens invading our southern border. They're weakening our military. They're surrendering American energy independence. I have no interest in going to the Biden White House. I look forward to going in two more years when we have a new president. You
1: know, uh, it is a you know, checks and balances system. And it's a little bit adversarial. It's supposed to be. And I think he's compromised. That compromises him. Yeah, checks and balances. And the socializing is totally unnecessary and possibly harmful. All right, we'll um, stay tuned. We'll see what happens. Congressman Bob Good, Republican of Virginia, we appreciate it, sir. Many, many thanks.
2: Thank you, Greg. Great to be with you. You bet. We'll be right back.
1: Barack Obama, I am firmly convinced he's running things inside the White House, he's running things in the Democrat Party, and he dissed Joe Biden. You got to listen. He speaks quick on this one, but he basically says Joe Biden is out of it, and uh, that's okay. It's just Joe, you know? Take a look.
0: I know some folks in our lives who we don't wish them ill will. They say crazy stuff. We're all like, well, you know, Uncle Joe, you know what happened to him. You know, it's okay. They're part of the family. But you don't give him serious responsibilities.
1: You don't give him serious responsibility. Uncle Joe. Joe, you don't give him serious responsibility. He admitted once before that he's actually going to be the man in charge. This is back in November of 2020. Listen to what he says is his ideal situation post-presidency.
0: If I could make an arrangement...
3: Where um, I had a I had a, a stand-in, a front man or front woman, and, and they had an earpiece in, and I was just in my basement in my sweats,
0: mm-hmm. looking through the stuff, and then I could s- sort of deliver the lines, but somebody else was uh, doing all the talking and ceremony. Wow. I, I'd be fine with that.
1: <laughs> I'm sure you would be. He still gets plenty of attention anyway. Something's very, very wrong. Hey, also wrong, that Paul Pelosi story. You know, it's not over. It's not over. And you know who I'm kind of worried for is uh De Pap, the suspect. Nobody's seen him. I mean, he's been in custody. His uh, defense team, they don't seem to be waging a very vigorous defense. Uh, there are unanswered questions about this case. And people who are raising them are getting in trouble. Miguel Almaguer is a great reporter from NBC News. He's been off air for almost a month since he raised questions about what we're being told. Seems to me he has sources inside the police department. This guy's great. He's from San Francisco. He went to school there. He knows the city really well. Obviously, he has great sources. This is the report that got him in big trouble, and he's not been on the air since. But I believe it. I believe what he's saying here. Take a look.
4: After a knock and announce, the front door was opened by Mr. Pelosi. The 82-year-old did not immediately declare an emergency or tried to leave his home, but instead began walking several feet back into the foyer toward the assailant and away from police. That's a significant piece of information,
1: and it's weird. Why would NBC News have a problem with this? He was told by law enforcement sources, I believe him, Now, people around Pelosi, Democrats, they don't want this out there for some reason. What happened next in that report?
3: What we do know is he brutally attacked Mr. Pelosi and attempted to kill him.
4: After spending several days in the ICU, Pelosi, who is recovering from a fractured skull and serious injuries to his arm and hand, is now home where Capitol Police remain on alert. Investigators have previously said Pelosi did not know DePap when the 42-year-old broke into his home. Why Pelosi didn't try to flee or tell responding officers he was in distress is unclear. That was interesting when he said investigators
1: previously said there was no known relationship between the pape and Pelosi. Why would he go out of his way, the reporter, to say previously they said that? But they're not saying it now. Did you see who he was talking to? The reporter was talking to the chief of police. Remember, the guy on the right, he knows San Francisco well. And the chief, you know what he said in that little exchange? He said, what we do know is that Paul Pelosi was savagely attacked. But all this other stuff, they're not so sure. And Nancy Pelosi went on television the eve of the election to say this is all January 6th related. Huh. Stay tuned. And we'll be right back. Thanks. Hope you had a good week, and we'll see you next week.